Hi, I'm Jerry. And I'm Jess. Welcome to Waiting to Download, a podcast about race and gender in tech. This podcast was created by and for Christian women of color. This podcast is intended to equip and empower women of color to have open and honest conversations about the elephant in the room. This podcast is also for those who are new to or considering a career in a STEM field, from those who've experienced life on the inside. Though STEM careers can be financially rewarding, there are often barriers to entry and hurdles to promotion, especially for women of color. We want you, our listeners, to successfully navigate the murky waters of tech by taking you through the ins and outs, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We take a deep dive into inequalities, biases, and injustices that we've experienced firsthand and have been waiting to download. We pray that you will use what we share to avoid the not-so-obvious pitfalls and thrive in your career. Join us as we share a compilation of stories to decode the bro culture that's so prevalent in tech. Okay, let's get started. Hi, Jerry. Hi, Jess. How are you doing? Great. How are you? Good, good. Well, we've covered a lot so far. We've covered gender and race, being the only person in the room, rules of the game. What are we talking about today in this episode? So today we have a pretty meaty topic. Um, We're talking about healing from traumatic experiences in the workplace and basically uh, what what that will look like is we're going to share our personal stories and the things that we did to overcome and to heal from those situations in the workplace. Got it. Got Because there's many different kinds of trauma. And there are, and yeah. we are not experts. <laughs> yeah, no, we're not. But we're going to focus specifically on trauma, that, traumatic experiences that happened. Yes. Specifically in the workplace. As women of color. That's correct. great. That's cool. So today... We have a very special guest with us. We have Alice, who I will let introduce herself because I probably can't do her justice. Hi, Alice. Hey. Um, yes, my name is Alice, and I am uh, been friends with uh, Jerry for a number of years, probably at least uh, 15. We met back at Corporate America, and um, uh, yeah, I guess we've been in touch ever since, and uh yeah, that's pretty much my story. And I still work in tech. I've worked in tech for a long time and I still work in tech. <laughs> Alice was the first person I met when I came to Seattle. In wow. fact, I met her before I got here. Through a mutual yes. friend. Yep, that's right. Very cool. Very whoop, whoop to the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So let's get started. Well, I guess since uh, our topic is Traumatic work experiences. Maybe we could talk a little bit about what our experiences were as far as the trauma. Okay, I'll try to remember because luckily it was such a long time ago. But uh, part of my experience was having a really bad manager at a big uh, tech company. And uh, the funny thing is that uh, it initially started out at a, as a friendly relationship where uh, we would hang out after. Uh, work at off off in off hours in our offices and you know drink and talk about our personal lives and then when it turned it turned awfully it was nothing more than um just uh I, I'm not trying to get into the Me Too movement it had nothing to do with that it was purely platonic just sharing information and having an amicable relationship mm-hmm. and then it wasn't 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it, uh, I don't, I can't, don't quite remember where it started, but it uh, might've been about my um, performance review. And uh, I'm not sure if that was the first uh, big slap, but everything else hangs on that. So mm-hmm. um, I think he, I got a performance review that was really horrible and I refused to sign it. And uh, for me, God is good all the time because even though I was super stressed out, I got sick from harassment from the members of my, uh, from that team and his cohort, mm-hmm. uh, my manager's cohort. Um, I somehow got to meet with some of the higher ups at the company mm-hmm. and explain what my situation was because I just happened to be in the same room with them at the same time. And so because of that, I, I went to my manager's manager and said, I had this and, you know, basically name dropped and said, this person said, this is not allowable. This is not mm-hmm. acceptable. Mm-hmm. And so I think that scared my manager's manager enough to make them take all of that crap out of my review. Mm-hmm. But I still had the experience. Mm-hmm. I still had the harass. Mm-hmm. And ultimately I found another a job at the company for somebody who would hire me beyond that team. So I still stayed at the company, but I still had that uh, trauma. So to this day, uh, just in terms of um, uh, trying to heal myself, I still kind of, I'm very uh, uptight mm-hmm. when I get to performance reviews. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's sort of in my system now to be mm-hmm. so anxious about it. Mm-hmm. So it's really, really hard. But um in terms of trying to heal myself, we've all heard the stereotype about the angry black woman. Mm-hmm. And I was determined not to be one of those. I can relate to that. <laughs> and uh, well, I think we all can. But and also uh, because of my upbringing from the church that I went to when I was growing up and from my mom, I heard over and over again that forgiveness um, is not for the person who needs the forgiveness is for yourself. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, because of all of those things, I made sure I went to get help. So I went to see a therapist. I found a Black therapist because that was important to me. And I went to see her and to talk about uh, my experiences and to let it out in addition to doing journaling, in addition to prayer, in addition to talking to my Mm -hmm. girlfriends and any uh, support system as anybody who was part of my support system to talk about the experience because I didn't want that to stay with me. I didn't want it to be a self-fulfilling prophecy so that as I move forward in life, I did, I kept carrying that with me so that it, it, it uh, tainted every interaction I had. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I went to get therapy and did all of those other things to try to heal myself too. And I was in therapy for years and I still think I still, you know, uh, performance review time still strikes fear in my heart, wow. but I have to stay present in that, uh, in uh, each moment, and that to stay present and uh, have self conversation, have conversations with myself. This is not that company. This is not that manager. Mm-hmm. Not the same situation, right? Mm-hmm. And just because that happened then doesn't mean that'll happen now. And you, and I guess after a certain amount of experience in corporate America, you can tell when they the language or the situation starts to change and you can feel it so that you are you're aware and paying attention of how you're perceived or what your brand is in your company or your group Mm -hmm. but you're also um kind of uh taking it for what it is in that situation and not bringing all that other baggage with you 
and that these uh, self-conversations and try not to carry baggage with me are a lot of the tools learned from uh, going to therapy. Wow. So just to back up a little bit. So how, how long had you been in your career before that happened to you? Mm-hmm. Uh, probably at least seven to 10 years. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And so that's interesting that you had the foresight to get yourself into therapy so mm-hmm. that you wouldn't, you know, said so that you could heal and that you wouldn't bring it into the future. Well, part of that, you know, honestly, is my fear too, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm a single woman. I have to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. And so I uh, had to, I have to take care of myself uh, mentally and physically because mm-hmm. I have to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, I don't know. I didn't, of course, I have the luxury of lying around on the bed and crying and howling and stuff on the weekends, but ultimately I still have to get up to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. And so this was uh, just a natural part what of it to me. To do. Yeah. yeah. Very, very interesting. You brought up quite a few themes. Um, about not being perceived as the angry Black woman. I can absolutely relate to that. How does that impact how you interact and engage on a, on a day-to-day basis with your, your peers? Um, I, well, let me make a, a little correction there. First of all, we can't necessarily control others' perceptions of That's us. That's absolutely right. right. Uh, because if that were true, uh, people of color would not have issues in this society in the first place. But uh, I didn't want to show up as the angry Black woman because that's too much emotionally for me to do. It's it's just too weighty. I have, Mm -hmm. and I already worry about all kinds of stuff anyway. I just didn't want to carry that one with with me. So again, to try to show up and uh, be uh, even-handed and present and take situations as they come. Mm-hmm. I again try to take care of myself to the best of the best of my ability. I try to get enough sleep at night. Mm-hmm. I uh, make sure I'm fed, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I and I don't just mean um, food, mm-hmm. though that's a part of it. But I do try to make sure I eat right because mm-hmm. uh, if I have a lot of junk food or too much alcohol, that impacts. Um, a lot of how I show up too, because mm-hmm. I can get irritable or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So while it may feel good in the moment, it's not good long term. Right. But uh, I also feed myself and make sure I take time to um, hang out with my friends. Mm-hmm. So uh, even if I'm working a lot, Saturday's like my down day where I spend time yeah. with friends and try to take care of my business and errands and things like that. Yeah. Um, I reach out and talk, call a friend long distance. Um, if I have things that I need to talk about, I reach out and to a friend and say, hey, I need to talk about this. Can you listen? Can you give me some advice? Mm-hmm. So even though I'm not still in therapy, I'm still in therapy. Yeah. <laughs> Very it, true. It, it sounds like you have the emotional support from friends as well as from um, going what? to therapy, right? You have kind of this network that you uh, can yeah, rely on. Yeah, thank God for them. God bless them. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I like that, you know, Taking care of yourself isn't just physical, it's also mental and it's also emotional and spiritual, it sounds like. Right. Yeah. yeah. And um, I don't mean to, I don't mean to say that I, uh, yeah, I've mentioned God several times in this conversation and this probably is important to say, but 
surprisingly, I don't actually go to church, mm-hmm. but I do spend time on my knees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh, I think uh, pro- probably not enough time on my knees, but I spend time on my knees and uh, I don't spend enough time journaling and uh, in meditation. But in the, if it gets really bad, then um, that's where I go to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And church is in the heart, right? Church is not the building. It's the people. That's true. Yeah, yeah that, that's my excuse for not going to church. <laughs> Did I just give you an excuse? <laughs> no, I already had that one. <laughs> what about you, Jerry? I can absolutely relate to your story, Alice. Um, I I was laid off from said tech company in 2017, uh, but. I believe it was in 2016, I got the bad review. Actually, I got, I got it twice. I got wow. it my very first year, my very first review, and my very last one. How ironic. So the very first one, um, I, I got hired on in April. I was a, ten, uh, a contractor before that. I got hired on in April. And so... I missed the deadline, the cutoff for the first review because I hadn't been there long enough. And so I had gone like 18 months and I thought I was killing it. I thought Mm. I was, you know, the bee's knees. I just (laughs) knew I was all that in a bag of chips. And, (laughs) you know, everybody had gotten their review and I'm sitting around waiting, waiting. And um, the 15th is when everybody gets their rewards. So my manager, um, I didn't get my review until that day. And, you know, I didn't know to ask. I didn't know to even think. I just, I was, you know, just like, okay, well, he just hasn't gotten around to it. And so I'm in there and he shows me the paper. And I saw on there, because at that time uh, it was ex- exceeded expectations, achieved or underperformed. I saw underperformed and achieved or something like that. So the rewards were like, so the rewards were considered your bonus. And then there was the stock component. So I got stock, but I didn't get a bonus. I was completely, (laughs) completely just like, what? Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. So I literally, I I literally cried Mm -hmm. right in front of my manager. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's what I do sometimes. You know, I, I do have tear ducts. Um, and so I, <laughs> I cried and then I got myself together. And as Amarosa says, we keep our receipts. So <laughs> <laughs> I went to HR and, I, you know, because I, I didn't know what to do. I, you know, I didn't really know too many people, you know. And then I was embarrassed at having, you know, gotten this underperformed. That's what stuck out in my mind. I'm like, mm-hmm. 18 months and you never said anything and suddenly I'm underperformed. Yeah. So I went to HR and I was just like, you know, and she, the HR rep looked in the system and she said, well, you didn't get your, what was it? Commitments. You didn't put in your commitments until May. So how did you know what you were working toward? You know, shrug, (laughs) hashtag shrug. Uh, But, you know, and so then the honest was on him. And I mean, I had all kinds of email, paperwork, just all sorts of stuff like, you know, this is what I've been doing. I I never once heard that, you know, I I had underperformed. And so they changed it. Mm -hmm. They had to go back. HR changed it. 
Well, he had to go back and change it. Change it. And I could tell that someone was helping him Hmm. because working for someone for 18 months, I knew his writing style, I Mm -hmm. knew his speaking style, and it was different. Mm -hmm. So that was the first one. The second one was way more traumatic for me. But again, I can relate to that anxiety around uh, review time where it's like, okay, are they going to pull something, you know, from, you know, you know where. Uh, This time I was in, I was in the legal department. I'm just going to say that I was in the legal department and, you know, I was just like a regular patent engineer, just, you know, plain old, plain old, no senior, no principal. There was seniors and principals. And there was like a senior attorney that had left our left the company and a principal engineer that left the group. And these folks left the group and I was left with all the work. All the work from their all roles. The work. So nothing fell through the cracks. And so when review time came, I was feeling myself. I'm like, I had all my evidence, all my receipts. I had emails from outside counsel saying what an awesome job I was doing and how they were really, you know, glad to work with me. In fact, one sent an email in, you know, from outside counsel into one of the attorneys and that attorney sent it to my manager and copied me. My manager never said anything, never good job, you know, way to represent the company, nothing. But just let me interrupt you. That substantiation is very, very important. The kudos that you get from other people, yeah. very, very important, always important to keep and mm-hmm. always important to get. Yeah. 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 And so, like I said, when review time came, I was ready to talk uh, level increase because I'm doing the work of a principal patent engineer and a senior patent attorney. So, yeah, you had the justification for right? it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and next thing I knew, I had gotten, I, I got the bad review. Um, wow. Yeah. I was totally expecting to get a great review, knocked it out the park. You're going to get, you know, rewards and all this stuff. And I did it. And um, it was very traumatic because, you know, we hear a lot of the times, Companies talk about a meritocracy and, you know, how it's based on your performance and what you do. And that just had not been my case uh, or my um, experience. Um, And so after that happened, it was just so traumatic for me. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, devastating. Right. That that following Monday, I I couldn't even I I just could not leave my house. I was Mm -hmm. just I was paralyzed. Mm -hmm. essentially. And it happened again on Tuesday. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? And my heart's racing and having all kinds of palpitations. So now I'm feeling it physically, you know, I'm ruminating in my head, like, okay, what just happened? Um, And, you know, at at some point I was like, okay, what is it? (laughs) What is it like to have a heart attack? Because I'm like, I didn't know. I didn't know at the time that I was having a panic attack. And so I actually went and got therapy after mm-hmm. that. And um, I was on leave for a little, a little bit after that because I was just, the shock to my system was just, it was huge. It was traumatic. It was mental. It was physical and very much just 
I, I just, I, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, uh, your, your story reminds me of other uh, smaller points or smaller incidents that I've had, mm-hmm. like when I've had um, bad interactions with a manager or something like that, or, mm-hmm. you know, just, and it wasn't, they didn't wait for my review, but just it was, I don't know how else to say it, but just like a really, really bad day. Mm-hmm. And on those instances, I literally just left work. And mm-hmm. you know how you're supposed to communicate with people and let folks know where you are, or, you know, you're always supposed to have, mm-hmm. uh, be on the up and up and be professional. For some of those days I left work, I would go to the movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, because it was that bad and I wanted mm-hmm. to turn my brain mm-hmm. off and turn out and turn away all that noise. And mm-hmm. so that was another, I guess, technique I had. Of, mm-hmm. I don't care about any of you or any of it. And, you know, insert bad word here, but I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> now, for me, I got insomnia around that time. I wow. couldn't sleep. Along with the after the panic attack. Af- after the yeah. panic attacks, I got insomnia. And, you know, I wanted to you know, gather all my evidence. And eventually, because I was off for probably six months, and then, you know, I went back and, you know, those feelings of anxiety and panic started to to come back. But I was able to gather all of my emails, things that would absolutely contradict Mm -hmm. what he said in his email and in his review. Mm -hmm. I had literally had emails from him that contradicted what he said in my review. And uh, ironically enough, I submitted that to HR. Didn't get the outcome that I got the first time. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think it was, uh, let's see, I did it, presented it right before July 4th. And on July 6th, I got laid off. So, wow. So they, so they were, were probably already planning to do it. Well, I don't know. I think they were just going to try and uh, manage me out, to be completely okay. honest. So, because. They kept saying that the role had changed, the role had changed, and the role that mm-hmm. I hired into was no longer the role that's there. I said, well, if that's the case, then why not give me a package and, you know, lay me off? Well, they didn't want to do that initially. Hmm. So yep. once I presented all my evidence, um, and it was a lot, I had a one note, it had a table of contents, it was organized, <laughs> that, emailed, that, you know, yeah, all hyperlinks. Sorts of, exactly, it did. It had hyperlinks and everything. <laughs> Um, but sadly, you know, I felt like that's what I needed to do to protect myself, especially after that initial, uh, experience, what, nine years prior Uh or more. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, uh, it's Mm -hmm. an extra weight to carry wherever we go. Cause it's again, trying to stay present, Mm -hmm. but also you have to be hyper vigilant too. Mm -hmm. That's exhausting. It's like you have two jobs, right? Yeah. You have your actual job, and then you've got the, the documentation job. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. To substantiate what I'm saying, what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do you agree with me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. And, you know, not only is that unfair, not everybody has that second job. Right. Yeah, you exactly. Know, you don't have to justify your existence and why you're there and you know, no, some people could just show up and work. Exactly. Or they can just show up right. and let you do the work, which is what I did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I got to do everybody else's work. So yeah. three times the work. Yes. And then that's what. Exactly. Yeah. Well, great. I want to thank our special guest today. We'll go into our healing process in part two of this episode. So please join us. 
Thank you for tuning in today. If you're enjoying our podcast, hit the like button and subscribe. You can also follow us on social media at Waiting to Download on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Please share a podcast with your family, friends, and even your enemies. Waiting to Download is a podcast about race and gender in the tech industry. Opinions are our own and do not represent any organization we are part of.